Okay. A uh, number of things I, I need to read to you. Uh, does everybody have a, a handout? Everybody? Do you need one? Okay. Hmm? No, this is the same one. Same one? Same one? It's the same one. Oh, Clarice. You need one too? Oh, just take all that. <laughs> Uh, he has one back there. Sorry. <laughs> okay, now how many people saw the article uh, from Sunday? He reigns and he is awesome. Did you read this? Please read this. <laughs> um, this, uh, the fact that he is reigning and that he is awesome, is awesome, and it's all we need. It's all we need. Um, this Sunday, uh, I've uh, written a, an article about what is awe, and um, uh, Ricky has been preaching about this, um, awe and how awesome God is, and I'm trying to kind of follow up in several ways, uh, and also in connection with the class. Uh, tonight I'm going to read you uh, two chapters that Ricky has helped us to absorb over these years and um, I think really get an understanding of, but uh, I, I just want to go through, through one more time. We'll see how we do. Um, and then I have a, a couple other things to, uh, to read to you in the application. Um, and we'll talk more about uh, our, our thinking uh, that we started last time. Um, I just want you to go to Job uh, chapter, let's see, 37, 37, 38 are quite amazing. Yep, start with 37. Job starts off, oh, hi, John, la conoce. <laughs> uh, I'm practicing my Croatian on John, so. Um, Job is helping us to, uh, in a, I'd say, pretty visceral, experiential way, um, and even through the questions, you know, the, his friends were not, always useful, but these, the set of questions that are asked and the statements that are made in these two chapters are really quite interesting, and I would say quite helpful overall. Uh, but listen to the, the approach here. My heart pounds as I think of this. It trembles within me. Now, I'm not sure if we're at this point of awe. Listen carefully to the thunder of God's voice as it rolls from his mouth. It rolls across the heavens, and his lightning flashes in every direction. Then comes the roaring of the thunder, the tremendous voice of his majesty. He does not restrain it when he speaks. 
God's voice is glorious in the thunder. We can't even imagine the greatness of his power. He directs the snow to fall on the earth and tells the rain to pour down. Then everyone stops working so they can watch his power. The wild animals take cover and stay inside their dens. The stormy wind comes from its chamber and the driving winds bring the cold. God's breath sends the ice, freezing wide expanses of water. He loads the clouds with moisture and they flash with his lightning. The clouds churn about at his direction. They do whatever he commands throughout the earth. Now they won't teach you this in meteorology at the university. I don't know why. He commands throughout the earth. He makes these things happen either to punish people or to show his unfailing love. Huh. Interesting. Interesting. Pay attention to this, Job. Stop and consider the wonderful miracles of God. Do you know how God controls the storm and causes the lightning to flash from his clouds? Do you understand how he moves the clouds with wonderful perfection and skill? Have you ever looked up at the sky and seen every day a different kind of series of clouds? Totally different look. Every day, you drive down the road, it's, it's, they're different kinds of clouds, and they're formed in a certain way, and they have a certain lighting, uh, perfection, and skill. These clouds were made by God, formed by God. When you are sweltering in your clothes and the south wind dies down and everything is still, he makes the skies reflect the heat like a bronze mirror. Can you do that? So teach the rest of us what to say to God. We are too ignorant to make our own arguments. Should God be notified that I want to speak? Can people even speak when they are confused? We cannot look at the sun for it shines brightly in the sky. When the wind clears away the clouds, so also golden splendor comes from the mountain of God. He is clothed in dazzling splendor. We cannot imagine the power of the Almighty. Second time, one chapter. But even though he is just and righteous, he does not destroy us. He goes on, he says, the Lord answered Job from a whirlwind, a whirlwind. Who is this that questions my wisdom with such ignorant words? Brace yourself like a man because I have some questions for you and you must answer them. Were, or where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? We weren't, we weren't there. He wasn't there. Tell me if you know so much. Who determined its dimensions and stretched out the surveying line? Interesting. Coming from God. What supports its foundations? And who laid its cornerstone? As the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy. Beautiful picture. Who kept the sea inside its boundaries, like we, we read that, that one night? As it burst from the womb, as I clothed it with clouds and wrapped it in thick darkness, for I locked it behind barred gates. 
limiting its shores. I said, this far and no farther will you come. Here your proud waves must stop. Have you ever commanded the morning to appear and caused the dawn to rise in the east? Have you made daylight spread to the ends of the earth to bring an end to the night's wickedness? As the light approaches, the earth takes shape like clay pressed beneath a seal. It is robed in brilliant colors. The light disturbs the wicked and stops the arm that is raised in violence. Have you explored the springs from which the seas come? That other fact that we took so long to find out. Have you explored their depths? Do you know where the gates of death are located? Have you seen the gates of utter gloom? Do you realize the extent of the earth? Tell me about it if you know. Where does light come from? Where does darkness go? These are things that scientists have asked. Can you take each to its home? The answer is no. Do you know how to get there? The answer is no. But of course, you know all this, for you were born before it was all created, and you are so very experienced. Have you visited the storehouses of the snow or seen the storehouses of hail? I have reserved them as weapons for time of trouble, for the day of battle and war. Uh, this is an interesting thing all by itself. You've heard accounts, like during World War II and during Iraqi storm and some other accounts of pilots who are going on missions and the weather comes up and it, it operates in such a way as to give them cover or to stop certain things from happening. God interferes with the things of men using weather. They're not thinking about it. They're not thinking about it. It happens all the time. It's all through history. Where is the path to the source of light? Where is the home of the east wind? Who created a channel for the torrents of rain? Who laid out the path for the lightning? Who makes the rain fall on barren land in a desert where no one lives? Who sends rain to satisfy parched ground and make the tender grass spring up? Does the rain have a father? Who gives birth to the dew? Who is the mother of the ice? Who gives birth to the frost from the heavens? For the water turns to ice as hard as rock, and the surface of the water freezes. Can you direct the movement of the stars? Binding the cluster of Pleiades or loosening the cords of Orion, he's talking about constellations. Can you direct the sequence of the seasons or guide the bear with her cubs across the heavens, constellations? Do you know the laws of the universe? Can you use them to regulate the earth? Scientists spend a lot of energy trying to figure out and do something with the laws of the universe. But they can't regulate anything by their knowledge of them. It's the only problem. 
Can you shout to the clouds and make it rain? Can you make lightning appear and cause it to strike as you direct? Who gives intuition to the heart and instinct to the mind? Huh. Who would that be? Maybe the one who made you in his image? He gives intuition to the heart and instinct to the mind. Who is wise enough to count all the clouds? Who can tilt the water jars of heaven when the parched ground is dry and the soil has hardened into clods? Well, okay, this is just a picture. Uh, Job 37, 38, and it is a very interesting picture, even though it has to do with questions, it has to do with an interesting situation that Job is facing. It informs us. It makes us think of some things, important things, uh, in terms of who God is and how awesome he is. Maker and sustainer. It all begins with him, and this is where awe begins. It begins with God, um, and I would say ends with God. When you hear different things uh, out of the text uh, of the, the Bible, especially the New Testament, you hear uh, the apostles talking about the glory of Christ when he returns, um, sharing in the glory of Christ. And what he's talking about is you and I getting to share in the awesomeness, the awesome power and beauty and holiness of God. And that's why it's so important that you and I wake up every day uh, thinking about some of these things, thinking about who he is, and uh, not only what his power is, but that he has built in certain things into the human body and brain uh, for his purpose. Um, I'm going to read you a whole set of things, but I, I wanted to um, Um, I wanted to read uh, one thing from um, a fellow who, um, I think I mentioned it last time, a fellow named George Gilder. Anybody know who George Gilder is? Uh, one of the brightest minds about technology in modern history. And actually, without George Gilder, you wouldn't be uh, carrying a cell phone around. George Gilder was the guy who gave ideas to Steve Jobs and to Bill Gates. George Gilder is the guy who predicted what was going to happen each technological generation, uh, really from the 70s on. Um, one of the brightest minds, I mentioned the book uh, Life After Google, uh, which is his latest book. In the middle of this book about uh, where we're at, technologically in, in where we're at in history, you see something very unlikely likely that uh, George Gilder asserts. Um, he is not, I would say, 
uh, an avid churchgoer exactly, but I want you to hear what he has to say. He writes in this book that's being read by millions of people right now, the materialist superstition, he's talking about uh, the mechanistic view of things without God. This is the way he terms people who think about their lives and creation and science without God. The materialist superstition keeps the entire Google generation from understanding mind and creation. He's indicting Charles Darwin and all his buds. He's indicting the people who basically removed mind and consciousness and thinking from the human experience by getting rid of God. And he's saying that the things that these mechanistic, evolutionary, materialist uh, scientists have brought about through our education system, that they are actually holding to a superstition a godless superstition. Okay, now this, this guy's famous. He's a multimillionaire. He is asserting, though, some things that most scientists, uh, Steve Jobs wouldn't have said it, uh, Bill Gates won't say it, um, but he's saying it. He said, real science shows that the universe is a singularity and thus a creation. I started to talk about this last time. Creation is an entropic product of a higher consciousness echoed by human consciousness. This is the way somebody will talk about it who is not an avid churchgoer. But he's saying that all the evolutionary stuff is superstition. And real science actually shows, and he's talking about... Um, some of the things that, that showed how uh, creation occurred uh, out of nothing, out of nothing. Very purposeful design. Creation is a product of a higher consciousness echoed by human consciousness. This higher consciousness, which throughout history we have found it convenient to call God, endows human creators with the space to originate surprising things. He's talking about human beings are given a mind, their mind is designed for creativity and productivity. Human beings actually can create something out of their own spirit, out of their own experience, out of their own mind. He's saying this for a reason. He says, thinking is conscious, willful, imaginative, and creative. And he goes on to say, artificial intelligence cannot think at all. There is no consciousness in the materialistic. There's no consciousness in technology. You can go as far as you think you can go with uh, artificial intelligence, for, with the design, with all of the things we can do with computers these days, but it doesn't represent the consciousness 
that you and I have in our minds from God. And it never will. It's impossible. So he's, he's noting something here. Yeah, be careful. Go ahead. <laughs> Yes. Yes. A lot of capabilities, yeah. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm going to say something about the, the, the brain research in just a second. But, no, I, I, yeah, it's true. Um, the, the, the reason to talk about some of this, though, is to put things in the proper perspective, even historically, um, because where we're at, um, you know, those of us who've been educated in the last 45, 50 years, uh, we've ex been exposed to a certain set of things. And, uh, you know, I remember from eighth grade on, uh, really, you know, having to kind of take on my science teachers. That was not a joy, not exactly a joy. Um, very interesting, um, the kind of world that we live in. But his point is crucial. His point is that we have a certain consciousness with the human brain that is not possible for animals has nothing to do with animals. It is not possible for machines or anything mechanistic ever. Not possible. Because we are made in the image of God. So there's consciousness, there's conscience, there is mindfulness, there's thoughtfulness, there's creativity, there's productivity. You can initiate things. You can take steps and you can help make something good happen. That's why the apostles talking, talking about all these things were planned for you to do. All these good things, you were designed to do good things from the very beginning. It's designed then. The good God, the only one who is good, designed you and I in his image we messed it up, but the potential is there, especially when he rectifies the whole thing through Jesus. This is, uh, there's a whole set of things we need to talk about briefly. In terms of this consciousness, this mindfulness, uh, the way the brain operates, and um, uh, I think I mentioned it before, but there's a whole series uh, of neuroscience uh, uh, findings um, that uh, talk about how um, at every age, let me see if I can find it here real quick. Um, 
Okay, so this, you remember the metacognition thing I was talking about where the, the brain, all human brains have this thing of monitoring. It monitors itself. That's why you can intervene on your own thinking and on your own behaviors because God built it in. Uh, this metacognitive level, um, in a way, it's, a, it's kind of a, a non-conscious thing that's going on all the time, but you, you really have to do something with it in a conscious way. Uh, it's where 90 to 90, 90% of the action is in your mind. Your thinking and thought building happen on this level. This level operates at about 400 billion actions per second and drives the conscious cognitive level. It operates 24 hours a day. So the way the brain is, is set up is there's a whole set of things that are going on uh, that are almost involuntary. The brain is making sure that the body is operating well. The systems are in harmony and operating well. And it's not because you are consciously willing it. It's because that's the way the brain is designed so that you don't die constantly. <laughs> Yeah, so, so you're, you're able at a cognitive level then to kind of, you know, interrupt or uh, branch into that metacognitive thing that's going on, and you can, you can actually see some things about yourself. You can actually see, man, I just did something really dumb. Anybody here ever said to yourself, man, that was really dumb? I'm a pretty smart person, but I just did something really dumb. Happens all the time. Your brain is giving you information. It's keeping you alive. It's assessing a bunch of stuff, but it's also telling you uh, some things where, you know, you just did something. You, it's, maybe it's becoming a pattern, and it, your brain is actually saying, whoa, 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 wait a minute. You actually have something to say about this. You can say something about this. You can actually, oh, the apostles, Peter and Paul both said, you know what? You can say no. You can say no. You can resist the devil. You can resist negative things, negative thoughts. You can resist temptations given the way the human brain is designed. And then it works in with your con conscience and with the Holy Spirit of God who is in you, all those who are in Christ Jesus. Man, you talk about uh, fortifying uh, us. Um, what, what is being laid out in the New Testament is exactly what human beings need operationally uh, in order to really get on top of things um, and to really have some leverage. To, this is why we talked about uh, free will last time. You and I, we actually do have choice. We get to choose how we're going to operate, how we're going to think about something. Have you ever been in a situation and you could tell that you're starting to kind of get madder or more frustrated than you probably should, and you might actually feel the warmth of the cortisol kind of taking over your heart even, I mean that in a physiological way? Uh, there's certain signals the body is sending um, when, when, you know, you're going the wrong direction. You're going the wrong direction. And, um, and you stop yourself. Now, this doesn't happen very often, right? I mean, sometimes you just go ahead and you get mad. But, but, but sometimes you stop yourself. You go, 
man, I'm just, I'm going to be in a bad mood all day long if I let this go on. Well, sometimes your wife helps you. <laughs> okay. Um, say no more. <laughs> you, but you can intervene on yourself. You can actually say, hold on a second. I don't want to go all the way down this path and be upset with everybody I interact with and myself all day long. I will have wasted another day on planet Earth. Not good. Not good because I was designed for good things. I was designed for the will of God. I was designed to do good things for which he designed me before everything started. That's what the Apostle Paul says. So the way the brain is designed actually fits in with everything talked about in the Old Testament and the New Testament, but especially in the New Testament. Um, and um, the neuroplasticity thing we mentioned before about the brain goes to uh, a lot to this thing of uh, helping us not just get in negative patterns and turn into old grumpy men, you know, or curmudgeons, or I don't know, what is it? Uh, there are, if you just go with whatever comes in your mind and all the negative stuff that's going on in the world, you will not become the person you're supposed to become. If that's what you're taking in. If your input isn't mostly from God, <laughs> Uh, you're not going to be reflecting God. You're going to be reflecting what it is you're taking in to your mind. Uh, what's settling out, how you're thinking about this, well, what your disposition is because of it. Um, and um, so I just want to mention a few uh, things related to this. Um, now, I know Wayne saw my LinkedIn uh, thing where I, I shared a quote and supposedly this is anonymous. I think it's too good to be anonymous. Um, but it's related to James Allen's writing about as a man thinketh, uh, right out of Proverbs. So he says, um, he says, watch your thoughts. They become words. Has this ever happened to you? You, you have a bad thought and you have a bad thought long enough and then something comes out of your mouth and you're like, oops, where'd that come from? It came from your thoughts, that's where it came from. <laughs> Just like Jesus said. Watch your thoughts, they become words. Watch your words, they become actions. You're talking about something, talking about something, you're always talking about this thing, you're talking about that thing. You, you actually take action on what you're talking about. You're thinking about it, you're thinking about it, you're talking about it, you're talking about it. Next thing you know, you're taking action based on what you have been talking about. You want to say? Do you have a comment? Are you? you staying? Oh, okay, okay. So the rest of it is, uh, watch your words, they become actions. Watch your actions, they become habits. If you've ever gotten into a bad habit, you know that you got to back all the way through this process. You actually want to, to change a habit. You actually have to 
to do something different. You have to think about it differently. You have to talk about it differently. You have to take different actions in order to change the habit. And it usually takes a hundred days. A hundred days of thinking about it the right way, of talking about it the right way, of taking the right actions over and over for a hundred days. And then your brain recalibrates. Your brain recalibrates. A hundred days. He goes on, watch your habits, they become character. You know, when people talk about same-mo, same-mo, grinding through the day, today, that drives me crazy. Because Satan's trying to grind you down. He's trying to grind you into mediocrity. That's what he's trying to do. Your habits, whatever you end up doing every day, that becomes your character. If you do the same dumb stuff every day, say the same dumb stuff every day, that's who you become. You don't want to become that. If you, if you have a bad habit, you've you got to back it up. You've got to actually go backwards through this process. Watch your habits. They become character. Watch your character. It becomes your destiny. Your character becomes your destiny. Why did Jesus Christ save you? Why? Why? Because God who made you, who thought you up, Antoine. He wants you to not only be in his presence, but to become like his son. He wants you to become more like him in character so you can actually appreciate and enjoy his character for eternity. You know what happens if you and I just have a bunch of habits and we just bump, bump along and we just do whatever comes along? It's going to be really difficult for us to fully appreciate the character of God when we get there. This is, this is training time. I know you've got other stuff to do. You've got other stuff to do, but this is training time. Our time on earth is training time to really be able to enjoy God fully for eternity. So it, it behooves us... <laughs> to pay attention to this and pay attention to what is coming into our brains and what are we doing with it. Because that which forms our character then determines our destiny. And this is kind of a sad thing too. You know, we talk about obedience, but in the end, we're following Jesus in order to learn from Jesus to become more holy like Jesus with the help of God's Holy Spirit. All of this is happening so that our character can be changed. And it can. Even if you've done dumb, dumb stuff, you've done dumb stuff over and over, your, your character can be changed by God through his Holy Spirit if and to the extent you and I cooperate with him. And it is that. It's a, it's a matter of cooperating with God and obeying what he's saying, paying attention to what he is saying. Really paying attention. Taking it in more than all the noise in the world. 
John Chrysostom, uh, back in the early uh, part of this era, um, A.D., men have the power of thinking so that they may avoid sin. Huh. Interesting. Because sometimes you and I, we get stuck in a box and we think the same thing, <laughs> the same dumb thing over and over and over and we end up in dumb patterns. When really, when really, this, this ability to think the ability to think divergently. You're not a mouse in a maze. You're a human being. And you can actually step back and say, you know what? It doesn't seem like things are working for me. I, I need to start over here. And I actually need to be taking in the truth of God in massive quantities, in big doses. You need, you need a lot more a lot higher dosage of the Word of God to offset all of the other nonsense coming into your brain. Thought is a kind of sight of the mind, Augustine said. Thought is a kind of sight of the mind. You and I, because of the way we're designed, we actually can picture things. And you and I are supposed to use that picturing ability to get on top of some things that are ugly. Yeah, he's trying to help us get leverage on the things that might kind of tangle us up, similar to what John Chrysostom was saying. And then a fellow, English fellow, Thomas More said, occupy your minds with good thoughts or the enemy will fill them with bad ones. You hear what he's saying? You gotta be very deliberate. You actually want to have a mind filled with the thoughts of God, with godly thoughts. You have to do it on purpose. You have to be very deliberate about this. <laughs> Occupy your minds with good thoughts or the enemy will fill them with bad ones. Un occupied they cannot be the brain will do something so you have to be taking in these crucial truths and acting on them over and over and over or you will fall into a lazy slump and you will just go wherever things take you and that sounds like the 70s to me. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> right. Right. Totally. That, and that's partly where, where this is from, too. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. A, a single human thought is worth more than the whole world. Hence, God alone is worthy of being its subject. A single human thought is worth more than the whole world. Hence, God alone is worthy of being its subject. Keep asking yourself, why am I here? Who put me here? Big two questions. Biggest two questions every human being on the face of the earth. 
wants answered, needs to have answered, you can help them, but first help yourself. Why am I here? Who put me here? You have to come back to that. Almost with every thought, with every day, with every moment. Why am I here? To bump along for pleasure, just to do whatever comes along, comes down to pike? No, you're here for his reason, for his purpose. That's why you're here. And he put you here. He put you here for his purpose, not just to wander around. Um, one of the most interesting things about the brain is it is designed to help healing in the body. Do you know that your body would not be able to heal without the brain? Uh, the chemistry, the chemistry that comes out of the brain, connected to the brain, signaled from the brain. Uh, for one thing, you wouldn't be able to deal with any pain. Uh, you, you would really, really be feeling pain. Sometimes when you really hurt yourself or you have some kind of physical trauma, the brain issues some things kind of like dopamines that are in the bloodstream. God's version, not the fake version. And it takes the edge off the pain and you're actually able to deal with physical pain that has put you into physical shock. The brain is at work all the time. But it also can heal. The brain helps in the healing process. Not just dealing with the pain in the moment, but it, it actually uh, is, is kind of the coordinator of you and I being restored. You know, we sing that song, uh, Restore Me, you know, Restore My Spirit, Lord. Yeah. Uh, thank you. <laughs> Arnetta Beecher. Um, <laughs> um, it's a restorative process. And um, of course, there is a spiritual part to this. There's not just physiological healing that the body is about, the brain is about, but the brain is also involved in spiritual healing, especially if you've been baptized into Christ and you have the Holy Spirit of God in you. Now, Ricky talked about this some Sunday, that the healing power of God. Um, but, but you also have all these uh, examples in the human body, in the human brain, in terms of the, these restorative processes, and they kind of inform us some about the spiritual um, restoration um, that is also needed, uh, most needed by human beings. The human body is designed to heal itself, quote unquote, a blueprint for a masterpiece from God. There are certain things in, built into the body uh, structurally in terms of biochemistry, uh, the biochemistry system, emotional system, electromagnetic system um, in connection with uh, blood cells and uh, the way the blood uh, stream works in such a way that, um, and this, this is also connected to, to DNA, um, that basically your brain has a blueprint of what to do at different junctures when your body is fighting different things. Bacteria, virus, uh, white blood cells, too many, 
your brain gets involved in this. And it actually activates different organs, other organs in the body, uh, to do some things. And um, I actually have a video uh, that kind of shows this at a molecular level, which is pretty cool. But it's going on constantly. And it gives you some little clue about how the, the body has this designed in. But before I do that, um, there are several things that uh, are a part of this. Um, nourishment. Do you know that you will never be able to have your body properly restored without the proper nourishment? Did you know that? You can put stuff, you can put stuff in your body that has a label that says food, but it doesn't nourish the cells in the way that are needed. It doesn't help in the bloodstream the way it's needed. The nutrients are missing. And there are a lot of reasons for this, but, but nourishment, having a proper nourishment is a part of having restoration. There's a physical aspect to it, a spiritual aspect, even a, a relational aspect. You ever been in a relationship that had some breakage? You needed some healing. Relationally, emotionally. The brain is involved in this. God is involved in this. The Holy Spirit of God can help in this. There's a mental and emotional aspect to it. And um, it, from, from a, a human body standpoint, uh, proper fuel, healthy intake, we talked about, you know, what are you putting in your mind? What are you putting in your mouth? What are you putting in your mind all day long? What are you allowing to go in? What are you putting in your mouth that you think is going to help build healthy cells? Um, a certain kind of order is restorative. Did you know that? You know, if, if your living condition is not orderly, you know, it actually is taxing on your brain because the brain is designed for some order. What does God say? God says, he's, he's not a God of disorder. <laughs> uh-uh. Which means he's a God of order and a God of peace. And you're not going to have peace unless there is some order. And that's thus the reign of Christ, the reign of God. There has to be some order. There has to be some kind of organizing and meaning. Um, there has to be some kind of exercise, developing, learning, challenge, growth. Um, and most research is showing that human beings actually need laughter. They need laughter. Did you know you need, you need laughter? Did you know you need to laugh? Did you know that if you laugh, uh, for every time you laugh during the day, you actually add 10 minutes to your lifespan? Uh, research done at Vanderbilt and Johns Hopkins. Every time you laugh, you add 10 minutes to your lifespan. And, and this was right out of Proverbs. Hopkins and Vanderbilt had all these researchers on it. God already told us. 
He already told us back here. Yeah. Um, they could have saved some money. Laughter. Uh, he says... Um, Okay, well, there's several things connected to this. A joyful heart makes a face cheerful. Sad heart produces a broken spirit, Proverbs 15, 13. Um, all the days of the oppressed are miserable, but a cheerful heart has a continual feast. He's um, talking about um, blessed are those who are hungry now because you will be filled. Uh, Jesus says, blessed are you who weep now because you will laugh. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy. Take note, your reward is great in heaven. Um, this, this cheerfulness, laughter thing. Um, um, uh, always laugh when you can. Um, it's, it's cheap medicine. Some people, you know, this is where the whole thing came from. You know, laughter is the best medicine. Uh, because laughter reduces pain, uh, this is part of the research. Oh, you got to go. Laughter reduces pain. It increases uh, performance, productivity. Uh, it connects people emotionally, improves the flow of oxygen to the heart and brain. Uh, you, you, you've seen Norman Cousins' books, uh, Anatomy of an Illness, um, 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 Healing Heart. Anyway, he, he, he actually is telling people to... to Watch something funny, listen to something funny uh, in order to boost um, the, uh, the oxygen in your bloodstream. Uh, laughter, uh, its uh, seed uh, is the best medicine, and uh, there is much evidence that laughter does a lot of good things for us. Um, it also, yeah, as I said, reduces stress. Um, okay. So there's no way that I can share the video with you tonight, but we'll, we'll start with that next time. Um, we have, uh, fortunately, we, we have a few more uh, times to go before the end of February. Um, I hope that this has helped you to get some clarity, uh, to kind of get on top of some things. Um, God's trying to help us out. <laughs> He's trying to help us. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the power of your word, uh, for the way that you try to give us guidance. Father, we ask for wisdom. We ask for guidance. We uh, say to you, Father, that we want to do your will. Please help us to do your will throughout each day. Father, help us to have our first thoughts about you, our most frequent thoughts uh, about you. Uh, and, Father, what you are wanting and what your will is. Father, uh, we thank you for everything you do for us. Thank you for saving us. Uh, thank you for bringing us near and for teaching us uh, all these different things through Jesus Christ and his apostles. And we praise you for your goodness and mercy. In Jesus' name, amen.